0: God has been so good to us. And uh, I want to talk to you about some of the things that I think if you were to ask me right now, what? would I say were the most beneficial things to us over the years that helped us to make it through, to get to where we are today, to have buildings like this that are paid for, to have what we have, to still have each other, to still be in health, to still be in our right minds. Well, sometimes in our right minds, but, you know, no, in our right minds. And to be able to accomplish the things that we're able to accomplish. I'd be able to give you two things without a doubt that to me are the most vital things that I think you could look at him and he's going to nod his head and say the same thing. The Word changed our life. Brother Hagan taught us that the Word was the final authority. The Word. And not quitting. The Word and not quitting. Those two things have put us over the top through our whole life. And uh, I want to talk to you about some of those things tonight. I have a title. It's a little bit longer. The Word, The Way, Then Wisdom and When. But you could call it an ounce of prevention is a lifetime of cure. Because it's going to be the same thing. So I want us to get into a couple of things about the Word. The Word is our final authority. The word in our life, Keith in my life, turned our life around. How many of you grew up in a home that they knew what a godly marriage was supposed to be like? Maybe a half a dozen people. The rest of us grew up in a home that knew just the opposite probably of what a godly marriage was supposed to be like. And you kind of had to wing it. And it's kind of like raising kids for the first time. There's not really a manual for it. So you kind of had to guess about what you were supposed to do. Well, that is the wrong way because we don't really have to guess. We do have the answers. And there's a way to find out exactly what we're supposed to do. And I think a lot of people have avoided that way. Let's look at a couple of scriptures and then we'll go on. Look with me. Hebrews 4.12. This is the NIV. The Word of God is living and it's active. Now hold it right there and then I want to tell you something different. Don't keep reading it. The Word of God is living and active. So that means that we should be able to apply it to our everyday lives. It doesn't matter if you were looking at some of those pictures in that video there where it was back in the 1800s or if it's now and today would that be correct if it's living and active we should be able to apply it to any generation that it would work all through our lives right if the word of god is living and active it didn't go away back when jesus was on the earth it didn't change then it's still alive and changing with us in our societies today correct Well, the things that in marriages, in dealing with people over the years and in the churches or or just uh, in our lives that you see continuously about marriages that people fail in, that the problems are caused in a lot of times, is the direction. Who decides what we're going to do? Who decides what direction we're going to take? Who decides what's right? Who decides, who gets to say, who chooses, is this the right way or is this the right way? Is this the right thing or is that the right thing? Do I get to decide what the kids are going to do or are you going to decide? Do we live here or do we live there? It's who's deciding. Who gets to say, who gets to be the final word on it? Who gets to pick? Who's right and who's not right. And it's a battleground. It turns homes and marriages into a battleground of who's the final answer on it. Well, that is one of the greatest things that Brother Hagan taught us was because it wasn't us that was deciding. We didn't decide. It was this word that decided about who was the final authority in our life. And that helped to change and mold our lives into what it was supposed to be. Now, the reason a lot of times that people don't do what this says, well, I'll say 50%, well, maybe it's not 50%, it may be more, I don't know, I don't have a figure. But 50% maybe of the people don't know what the Word says, and the other 50% don't care what the Word says. Even if they know what it says, they don't care what it says because they just want their way. So even if they know what the Word says, I have this thing that I call, they use God. Even if they know what the Word says, then they will go to their spouse and they will say, God told me that we're supposed to do this. And they use God to be their battleground. When they know, as well as everybody knows, that God didn't tell them that. And it creates a problem. Because what happens then is the spouse knows that God didn't tell them that. You know God didn't tell them that. And so then there's a big blow up. And everybody's at odds. So let's go back to the verse now and I think it'll make it clearer for you. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to the dividing of spirit, of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So even if you can swing it over past your partner saying, God told me to do this, You're going to have a hard time swinging it over past God that he told you to do this. Right? So when you're standing and you're believing for something, who are you believing it for? Who are you going to believe to make it come to pass? God. But God didn't tell you to do it. So it makes it a little bit difficult. So we need to figure out the way to settle the dispute of who's, who's the right and who's the wrong. Well, we have to decide once and for all what is the final authority in our marriage. And if we're really going to put God first in our lives, we have to make this book the final authority in our lives. And if it says it in here, then we have to once and all decide this is the final authority. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to believe. This will pull you out of a lot of troubles. Because what happens is, if you get into a spat and you decide you want to go with your own way, we're going to get into that more in just a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. It can cause you a lot of turmoil down the road. So the word, say the word, if you believe it, the word is my my final final authority. Now that's saying a lot. Because that means whatever's in this book, you don't need somebody else's opinion about it. And that's what happens in marriages a lot. People will get into a a decision about, should I go to this school? Should I go to that school? Should we have kids? Should we move here? Should we take this job? Should we do this? And they don't want to find out what God says about it. They want to ask everybody else something about it. They don't want to go and get in their prayer closet and pray about it. They don't want to go to the Word about it. So they just throw it around to everybody around, and they don't have God's answer on it. So they live in turmoil because they don't have a true answer on it. They just have opinions on it. And that can destroy a marriage. Because the only thing that makes you succeed is God's way. The only thing that makes you go over is His way. So say you're how many of you in here has ever taken vitamins? Uh-huh. So you'll know what I'm going to talk about. Is it possible that you could have too much um, vitamin B in your body? So if you have too much vitamin B in your body and you have no potassium in your body, you should most likely take a lot more vitamin B and not eat any bananas, right? Right? That's, That's probably what you should do. Or if you don't have any vitamin C and you have, what's another vitamin? D, A, Q, -Q, whatever. Well, what you want to do is if you're lacking in that vitamin, you either eat the foods or take the supplements to do what? To build it up. Because you're depleted in that area. You don't have anything in that area. You're depleted in that area. Well, the body of Christ as a whole is depleted in the marriage area. It doesn't know anything about marriages and how to make them successful. Elsewise, you wouldn't hear that the marriage divorce rate is at 80%. We're we're depleted in the marriage vitamin area. So why do we get our Bibles out and read about prosperity all the time? Why do we get our Bibles out and read about healing all the time? When you know what? You know the number one cause of probably healings and, and sickness in the body is strife why probably 80% of the body of Christ is sick is because you've been going, yeah, 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 with each other all day long. When you probably need to get out of the healing scriptures and get in the marriage scriptures. Because you're depleted in the marriage scriptures. And you know why your finances are in the pits? Because First Peter says that your prayers are hindered if you're not getting along with your spouse and if you're bickering and you have evil railings or fighting one with another. So you're trying to fix all your money problems by quoting all these money scriptures and you're taking all this vitamin B when you're already loaded up on vitamin B. You're overdosing on vitamin B (laughs) and your potassium level is about to shut your kidneys down because you have none but you just continue to take that vitamin B and you wonder why that your money's not fixed and you wonder why you're not well and you wonder why you've got so much strife with your kids. Because you're so depleted in the marriage scriptures. And you refuse to do what the word says about marriage. So we got to get back to finding out what this says about marriage. And when we fix this area, then it will be a domino effect. And it'll fix our, our healings. And it'll fix our finances. And it'll fix our jobs. And it'll fix our kids. And it'll fix it. It'll go right on down the line. And that's why we have marriage meeting. People don't understand it. They want us to have a prosperity seminar. But if your marriage isn't right, the prosperity seminar is going to do you no good. Because strife will eat up your finances. And strife will eat up your body. It'll be a cancer inside of your body. Because, you know, you can feel real good and have a fight with your spouse and it'll feel like somebody shot you in the belly and just drain you. And that's not what we need. we got to get built up to where if everybody around us has a cold, our vitamin C is so built up, achoo, achoo, no big deal. I'm so overdosing on vitamin C, it ain't no big deal. Sneeze on me again. Come on, sneeze. Go on. You're just going to blow off of me. Because I've got so many vitamins in me, it's not going to hurt me at all. Well, that's the way you are with your marriage stuff. You know it so well that if the devil comes to throw something at you about marriage, you go, ha, you're such an idiot. I've got so many words in me about marriages. I know you're going to come at me about with it. Nope, you ain't getting there here. Nope, I know this. Nope, 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 nope. And you know every angle he's going to come at you. But if you don't know any of them, then he's going to attack from this side. He's going to attack from this side. He's going to attack from this side. And he's going to come at you from the back. And he's going to come at you from the front. Because he knows you're going to get sick. He knows you're going to break down. Because you have nothing to stand against him with. And the only way you can stand against the devil is with this word. It's the only way. And you don't have to stand against your spouse, you have to stand against the devil. He's the one that we have to resist. So we got to get our immune system built up. And you know, you know as well as I do, you can be you can be overdosed in faith and know every scripture there is about prosperity and finances and know nothing about marriages and go under. You got to know about Marriage faith. To have marriage faith. It doesn't just fall over. The prosperity scriptures don't just fall over into marriage. They don't just apply there. You're not just going to have faith for marriage because you know faith for prosperity. Or you're not just going to have faith for marriage because you have faith for healing. Doesn't work that way. You have to know about this. This. So the first one is the word. We have to know the word. It has to be our vitamin. It has to build us up. We have to overdose on it. We have to get built up on it. Some people need to take extra in areas. How many of you have ever done that? You know everybody around you's getting a cold. You take some extra C? Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't be ashamed of it. It's not a bad thing. You don't want that cold. So if you know a lot of things that are coming up and you're going to have to be doing a lot of stuff and there's going to be a lot of extra stuff going on and and you're going to be having a lot of in-laws around and and um, a lot of family around, might be a good thing to get this book out and read a few more marriage scriptures because you're going to be tested. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to that family reunion, you might have better read some extra it gets some extra word in you because it builds you up a little bit. Okay? Let's read this verse. Romans 12, verse 2 in the NIV. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve What God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will is about marriage. The Message Bible says it this way, and you'll really like it, I think. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. We don't automatically in our marriages, in our homes, conform to the way this society does it. We've got to find out from God the way he wants us to do it. We can't just fit in with the world's idea of the way a marriage should be. We've got to find out what God wants this marriage to be and what he wants this marriage to be and what he wants this marriage to be. be. You know, God is a very unique God. I can look through this room and I don't see, let's see, there's Dave and Kim, and I can look down the eye, and I don't see anybody that's just exactly alike. Do y'all look around? See if you see anybody that looks just exactly alike. Some people are prettier than other people, some people are... Well, we won't say. Some people have hair. Some people don't. Some people need to eat a little more. Some people need to eat a little less. Some people need to comb their hair. You know what I'm saying. But God God does not run out of ideas. He's not short on ideas. Creative ideas. And he's not going to tell you that he wants your marriage just to be exactly like somebody else's marriage. You are two individual people. And he created you that way. So why would he tell us as the body of Christ that we are supposed to build our lives the way the world builds its lives? Why wouldn't we go to the Lord and say, Lord, what is our marriage supposed to be like? He's got some good ideas. But we got to find out from him what our marriage is supposed to be like. We are unique. We are a peculiar people. Edward's really peculiar. Yeah, no, no I'm just kidding. But you understand what I'm saying. We, we can't, he can't, him and Jade can't just, you can give people advice about their marriage But you can't tell them everything that they're supposed to do in their marriage. Because I doubt seriously that there's any two marriages that are... They don't work the exact same hours. They don't work the exact same jobs. They don't do the exact same things. They don't have 2.1 and a half kids that are the exact same age. Do you understand that? So in what we're doing with you in these marriage meetings, is trying to encourage you to get in this Word for yourself. Find out from God for yourself what your marriage is supposed to be like. If you go to another person and ask them their opinion about your marriage, whether it's even your mother and daddy. How many people in here is your marriage just like your mother and daddy? Come on, stand up. How many of you in here want your marriage to be just like your mother and daddy's? That's what I thought. So then why are you talking to them about it? You shouldn't be. Because your marriage is not going to be just like their marriage. It shouldn't be just like their marriage. Your marriage should be the way God created you and your spouse's marriage to be. And the only way that you can find that out is by going to him. Him. We are unique people. We have the greatest, greatest privileges on the earth, like us starting the churches. We can't model our churches after another church because we are a unique church. God doesn't need another church that just is exactly like that church. He needs us to be who he created us to be. He doesn't need somebody to be exactly the same as somebody else. He needs us to be who He created us to be. And if we'll do what He tells us to do, we all have our unique talents, we all have our unique gifts, and you're going to be able to fulfill a niche in the body that nobody else can fulfill. But the only way that you can do that is by you seeking Him for yourself. You seeking His Word for yourself. Does that make sense to you? Think about this. Money. Does God tell you how to get money in the Bible? What does He say? Give and it shall be given unto you. Right? Okay, what about salvation? Huh? Confess. Jesus is your Lord and you shall be saved. These are Pretty straightforward instructions, right? Are they hard? Okay. What about wisdom? Ask for it. Ask for it. And he'll give it to you. So what about marriage? Do you think he did it differently for marriage than he did it for 99% of the other things? What did he say? What did he say about marriage? You don't know. You see? You are deficient in that area. You don't know. People are mumbling things, but they don't know. I didn't hear one person say what he said. Marriage. Husbands. Huh. And wives, see that you respect your husbands. Husbands. He told us what to do. Now, when you want money, what do you do? You sow. When you want wisdom, what do you do? When you want to get saved, what do you do? When you want to get a good marriage, what do you do? Hmm. Is it hard? Then why does everybody rebel against doing what this says? They do it in every other area, but they don't want to do it in that area. Why is it that husbands don't want to love their wives? God knew that was the area that He had to tell them: Husbands, love your wife. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Don't be correct them in front of everybody. Don't be telling them what to do. Respect them. So is there any need when you go to a prosperity seminar? What do you expect to hear? Do you reckon at a prosperity seminar you're ever going to hear? So... Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed out. Do you reckon you're ever going to hear that? As part of the instructions of how to get? That if you don't give, you're not going to? Get. And the same thing, every church in the land, about salvation. How many of you have heard it over before? That if you confess Jesus is your Lord, you've heard it more than once. You shall be. So, you're not offended about that. Some people hear that every Sunday. You're not offended about that. And you hear it every week sometimes. And if you lack wisdom, you do what? You ask. So, why do people get so offended about that verse? And so put out about that verse and don't want to hear it because it messes with their flesh. It messes with this nasty old flesh because it doesn't always get its way. And when that wife is not respecting, that husband doesn't want to love. And when that husband doesn't love, that wife doesn't want to respect. And we have a standoff. (laughs) and what you got to find out is who's the more spiritual one who's going to give in first because there's no need in going to 5,000 counselors and spending your money there's no need in fasting there's no need in praying it's like uh, by Jesus stripes you were healed Okay, do you have to search the word over? Do you have to beg God for your healing? Do you have to do anything to receive your healing? Huh? It's already done, right? So what do we have to do for our marriages? Open book test. What do we have to do for our marriages? Love Love your wife. What do you have to do? Respect your husband even when your flesh doesn't want to. I mean, we could just close our Bibles and go home now because that's the answer. (laughs) If we just didn't have this flesh. But when you wake up in the morning and you just want your way and they're unyielding, it makes it tough. Because you have to face them all day long, and you've been dealing with it for 10 years, and they ain't changed. It gets tiring, but it doesn't change the word, and it doesn't change. Just like if you don't give, you can confess all day long. I got money coming. Money's coming. Money's coming. Money's coming. I got money coming. And you ain't sold a dime. You ain't got no money coming. Ain't going to happen. And you can confess, my marriage is getting gooder, my marriage is getting better, my marriage is getting better. He's a scuzz bucket <laughs> Under your breath when you walk out of the room. Or you correct him in front of somebody. Or you do something stupid. Your marriage ain't getting better. It doesn't work that way. We have to do what this book says, and we have to make it our final authority. And if it says to do something, if we do it, is God a God of his word? If he says if we do it, he's going to make it okay, then it's going to be good when we do what he says do. But we can't do it one time and for the rest of the year we do what we want to do. Doesn't work that way. Just like you can't give one time and try it and then say tithing doesn't work. Doesn't work that way. And that's what people have done with the scriptures on marriage. They've tried it one time and said he didn't change. Just like people tried tithing and said it didn't work. Doesn't work that way. You know it didn't work with your giving either. You've got to make a wholehearted commitment to it. And when you do, things will change. Things will change. So now we've got the Word. You're understanding that the only way that things are going to change is with the Word, right? So now we get into His way, all right? That's point number two. Psalms 1832 in the King James. It says, It is God... That girds me with strength, and it is God that makes my way perfect. Say that with me. It is God, it is God that, girds me with strength, that girds me with strength, and it is God, it is God that makes my, way makes my way perfect. Now let's uh, look at Proverbs 10 22. King James again. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Say that with me. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Can anybody in here tell me why God chose Abraham to bless? Besides Keith? Oh somebody said it. Somebody said it. because I'll read you the verse, Genesis 18:19. Somebody said it. Somebody knows their Bible. for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, that they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring Abraham upon Abraham that which he has spoken. The reason that the Lord could bless Abraham is because he knew he was going to continue to obey him. And he knew not only he was going to obey him, but his children after him were going to obey him. Goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago at the very beginning. People are wanting, they're screaming for, desiring hoping for the blessings of the Lord in their life. And they do not understand. I've been going to church. I've been tithing. Why are I not getting your blessings, Lord? Why are things still the same way after all this time? Because God wants a people... That will do what he says do. That will do it his way. He said he would command his children to do it the Lord's way. He wants people that will follow after him and do it his way. Let me give you an example of that. Say we're here in the church and say, the Lord deals with me, Phyllis, I want you to go and I want you to go this way. And I want you to say, go and start another church. And I want you to take a path and go that way to do it. I'm praying and the Lord directs me. That's what I want you to do. And I come out of my prayer time and I think about it and I look over here and I think... But everybody I know is over here. There's my sister. There's my staff. There's my husband. There's my this. There's my that. Everything I would need in the natural is here. But Lord, you want me to go over here. I don't see it. I don't see it. That can't be God. I don't see it. I think I'm going to go this way are you going to get God's blessings going this way? Then why does everybody do it? It's familiar. It's easy. That's when, when people start down this path and they start going this way, that's when they get into areas that they shouldn't even be in to begin with. They start down this road here, and I'm in Craig's Lane. I'm trying to take over things that is Craig's. I shouldn't even be here. Then I get in strife with Craig. I get in strife with B. am tripping. I'm falling. I'm dealing with things I shouldn't even be dealing with because I'm here in this area. I shouldn't even be here. I'm supposed to be way over there. I'm seeing things, and knowing things, and being with people I shouldn't even be with. Over here in this area, I'm stepping on Junior's toes. I shouldn't be. But if I go over here, and I start this way, looks clear, looks good, okay, so good so far. I mean, I don't have anybody with me. I'm kind of lonely, but God's with me. It's okay. And I start down this road, and everything's going okay. And uh uh-oh, here I come. There's a block in the road. I knew it. It wasn't God. I knew it all along. I just should have went the other way. It wasn't God. This is not His way. There's a block in the road. I knew it. I'm going home. I'm going home. And people just throw up their hands. Unwilling to do anything. Unwilling to even ask God about it. Unwilling to even see if they're supposed to do anything different. The first obstacle that they come to, and they stop in the way, they throw up their hands. They don't even ask God about it. If the Word doesn't tell you something specific you're supposed to do, if it doesn't say, Phyllis, when you go down that road, there's going to be an obstacle in your way, and take that obstacle and do this with it, then you need to spend some time in your prayer closet, and you need to ask the Lord about it. And you need to find out what are we supposed to do. Marriages are getting in turmoil because they're in the wrong state. They're in the wrong vicinity. They're not going to places that they should go. They're staying when they shouldn't stay. They're doing things that they shouldn't even be doing. They're getting involved in things that they shouldn't even be getting involved in. They're investing in things they shouldn't be investing in. Their kids are in places they shouldn't be in. And they're not even bothering to ask the Lord about it. So here's an obstacle. Lord, there's an obstacle here. What do I do? Well, Phyllis, can't you see? Look to your right. Oh, Edward, Edward, would you get up and move? I didn't know you were living here. Well, wow, that's so kind. Would you help me out with this thing and get it out of the way for me? God, that's so kind of you to send somebody along my path to just help me get that out of the way. See how easy that was, Lord? Send it. You sent somebody ahead of me. Imagine that, like Abraham. You had a ram in the thicket for me way ahead of time before I ever... Jehovah-Jireh. Imagine that. He is Jehovah-Jireh. And he prepared a way before I even got there. Did he tell him not to go with his son? No. Was it tough? Yes. Yes. But did he repair away when he got there? Didn't mean he wasn't supposed to go. I'm going this way. Hey, Rob, what are y'all doing here? Rob, Carrie, you all come on and go with me? Let's go. We may have run into something else. Why don't y'all come on and go with me? We may run into something. Look at all these people I know here. Come on. Y'all go with me. I mean, we may run into something else that we're needing to do here. Y'all come on. It may be some. Come on, Mike. We may need something that we need to do here. Look at what God sent me. God has prepared for me already before I even knew. He went ahead of me and prepared. the. Look at this, guys. Look at that. Another obstacle. Oh, let's fast. Let's pray. No, we don't even have to fast and pray. Because there's going to be obstacles in our lives all along the way. And there's no need in going home and pouting like a two-year-old. And there's no need in taking it out on our spouses and saying, I told you we weren't supposed to go here. You use the resources God gave you a brain. And you say, hey guys, let's get on this. Let's move this out of the way. Anybody? Can we do this? Yeah, let's move this obstacle out of the way. And we don't quit just because there's a roadblock in the way. And we move that thing right out. It may take us a month. It may take us a week. It may take us a year. But we move this thing right out of the way. And it may take one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, a dozen people to do it. But God will provide for you. Thank you guys for helping me with that. But God will provide if you're on His path and you're going the way that He told you to go. Now, you're over here on this other path. All these people may be there, but they're going to be busy. They're not going to have time to help you with anything. Or resources to help you with anything. And they're not going to even care that you're there. You ever experienced any of that? You've got to go the way... That God told you to go. It doesn't matter what it looks like. When Jesus told the disciples to go over to the other side, did they run into a storm? But did He make a way anyway? That's who Jesus is. It doesn't matter what the path looks like. We wouldn't have any church that we have. We wouldn't have anything that we have if we had to overcome some obstacles along the way. Whether it be in our marriage or in these churches or in the ministry, there's going to be obstacles. But we are overcomers. We're overcomers. And you'll find out It's the greatest thing in your marriage. When you overcome an obstacle together and you're on the right path, it makes you grow together. makes you stronger. You and your spouse against the world, you'll find out when there ain't nobody else there with you and you and your spouse is there and you got your arms up and you're fighting it against the world. God knows that. That's why, like Keith said last night, leave and cleave. You're conquering these things together, and you're doing what God told you to do together. And yes, all along the way, there are going to be things. But God is Jehovah-Jireh. Yes, and He is going to provide for you. There will never be a time that He runs out of resources. There will never be a time that He runs out of ideas. There will never be a time that you can't either go over it or around it or move it out of the way. Never. When you're going the way that he told you to go. But you have to go the way that he told you to go. The easy way is never the easy way. It may look like the easy way, but it's never the easy way. Because all along this way, it wasn't just about me going this way. It was about all the people that I was in contact with all along the way. It was all the people that was fellowshipping with me and we were ministering to along the way and we were in contact with along the way and that's the people God wanted to get to. It's about people. And God knew who was going to be in this path. And when he tells you to go that way, it's because he wants you to come in contact with those people. And you don't even know it, but your resources are that way. And if you're broke over there, it's because your resources were over here. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to our minds. But you know what? Our minds are not smarter than God. That's why we have to go with our hearts. We have to go with what He gives us on the inside. That's the reason why I said that at the very beginning about don't use God and say, God said, do this. Because you're putting yourself in a mess. Because if He didn't say, do it, you're getting off in a territory you shouldn't be in. You're opening yourself up to the devil, to an area that you shouldn't, a place you shouldn't be in. Because when God actually does say something, then He's accountable to provide for you along that way. And He does. He'll never let you down. But you got to do it His way when He says do it. Let me read you this next verse and we'll go on. We're going to go now to the wisdom part. I don't want to go all night. The, I, I, I speak shorter than Keith, right? <laughs> the wisdom of God. Wisdom to trust God. You don't understand why you got to go through the obstacles. You don't understand why you got to go through this path when this one looks perfectly clear and this one looks like you're going to come across some obstacles. Wisdom to trust God, Jeremiah 29:11 in the NIV. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and places where I had banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I carried you into exile. Now listen to the message Bible on this. It says, I know what I am doing. You believe God knows what he's doing? I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. Say, God has, plans to take care of me. God has plans to take care of me. Not to abandon you. Plans to give you a future of hope for you. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen. When you come looking for me, you will find me. Yes when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. That's God's decree. And that's what we've been lacking is the seriousness of finding out what God wants more than any other person in the world. we got to get serious about about finding out what God wants. Doesn't matter what your mama wants or your daddy wants or your brother wants or your cousin wants or or even your neighbor wants or your spouse wants. Keith told me a long time ago, Phil, I love you, but I'm going to do what God wants. And that has been the saving grace of our marriage because we were both doing what God wanted. It's been the thing that has held us up year after year after year is knowing that we both wanted to do what God wanted. We wanted that more than we wanted what our flesh wanted. We wanted that more than anything else in the whole wide world. We wanted to do what God wanted. And that will put you over the hard times. It'll put you over the fights. It'll put you over the broke. It'll put you over the bad. It'll put you over the blocks. It'll put you over everything that you've got. Wanting what God wants. But you got to want it. you got to want it more than you want your flesh's way. And when you want that, just like what He said... The plans for your future, you've got to trust him. Be a wise enough person to know, just like Abraham, when he took Isaac up, do you think he had a little bit of fear going on that I'm going to, what's going to happen here? But he trusted his God. He trusted him. And there was Jehovah Jireh, right there for him. He provided for him. And that's what we have to trust. You may be lacking something from your spouse. You may be lacking everything from your spouse. But you have to trust him. He's the provider. And he will give it to you. My last point is when. When. Faith never quits. Never. If you're really in faith, then you never quit. Those two words don't go in the same sentence. Faith and quit. They don't, they don't exist in the same atmosphere, same world. Faith and quit. If you're in faith, you're going through whatever it takes. You never quit looking for the other way. No matter how long that block would have been there, I mean, there's been things that that we've had to deal with. And I've had to wake up every morning and pray, Okay, Lord, I know there's a way around this. You've got to show me. And I may pray on it for a year. And then finally, the Lord will say, Get up go do this. And sure enough, here it goes, just as smooth as can be. But now if you try to do it in your own strength, and you try to do it your way, look out. There's going to be troubles you're going to be in the wrong place you're going to be causing yourself problems. you got to hear from the Lord you got to do it his way. you can't be impatient you got to find out what he says do and it may not always look pretty and it may not always be fun but his way is always good. First Corinthians 2 verse 5 King James. It says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It ain't going to make sense to most people, but it will to God. The message Bible says keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you got, and be resolute and love without stopping. Don't quit. No matter what happens, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Doesn't matter if you get past that wall and there's another wall right behind it. And you get past that wall, and there's another wall right behind it. We're not quitters. It's not who we are. I'm not Phyllis Quitmore.
1: <laughs> not my name
0: used to be Phyllis, go more, but I quit confessing that. (laughs) Yeah. It's Phyllis, stay more. (laughs) But we don't quit. Do you remember the story? I think probably everybody does. When Jesus came in, Keith was talking about it a couple of Friday nights ago, and he went in to the woman, and he was talking to her, and uh, he was asking about water let me just read it to you so i don't get it confused we'll read it john 4:16 jesus said unto her go and call your husband to come hither and the woman answered i have no husband and jesus said unto her thou hast well said i have no husband for thou hast had five husbands and him who thou now hast is not your husband In that saidest thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, you sinner. You've had husbands, and now you're living with someone, and you're just going to die and go to hell. (laughs) Is that what he said? Well, now, don't you think... This is Jesus. And don't you think if he'd have wanted to correct this woman about having been married a couple of times or about living with somebody, this would have been a grand opportunity to do it? Or if he'd have wanted to condemn her about it at all, don't you think this would have been a grand place to do it? He didn't. So why do Christians take it upon themselves Christians, Christ-like people, take it upon themselves to condemn people about it. If Jesus doesn't. We're going to be more like him, right? So he just ignored it. He just said, yeah, and the one you're with now ain't your husband. And he went right on. He said, woman, believe me, the hour comes when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Worship you know not what. We know what we worship." For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He's just telling her how to worship Him. He's not saying you can never worship me again because of your lifestyle. He's telling her how to truly worship Him. Did she have a couple of failures, what the world would call a couple of failures maybe? How many marriages? Five husbands would you think she would have considered herself maybe a failure in some ways? Did Jesus? No. No. Don't be too quick to judge people. I want to read you some things. I gave these a few of these years and years and years ago, and I think it would be real good to give them again. People look at people as failures when they shouldn't. How many of you know Thomas Edison? Ever heard of him? Anybody ever heard of him? Well, teachers said he was too stupid to learn anything. And he was fired from his first two jobs for being nonproductive. Said it took him over a thousand tries to invent the light bulb. Would people have considered him a failure? I think so. Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four years old, and didn't read till he was seven. His parents thought he was subnormal. His teachers described him as mentally slow. That's Albert Einstein. Louis Pasteur, you know who he is? The microbiologist and chemist who invented pasteurization of milk and wine and vaccines such as anthrax and chickenpox and cholera and rabies. He was told he was only a mediocre pupil, and he graduated 15th out of 22 in his class. Henry Ford went broke five times before he succeeded. Babe Ruth, does anybody know who that is? Struck out 1,330 times in his career. He hit 714 home runs, about which he said, every strike brings me closer to my next home run. Walt Disney, anybody ever heard of him? Was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas.
1: <laughs>
0: he went bankrupt several times before he built Disneyland. In fact, the proposed park was rejected by the city of Anaheim on the grounds that it would only attract Riffraft. Did he quit? Was he a failure? Charles Schultz, anybody know who that is? Dave's favorite character, inventor. Peanuts, Charlie Brown had every cartoon, every cartoon he submitted rejected. And, oh, even Walt Disney wouldn't hire him. (laughs) Lucille Ball began studying as an actress, and she was told by the head instructor, you better try another profession, this is not for you. Could these people have quit and considered themselves a failure? Here's some more. Decca Records, the Beatles went to them and they told them, they gave them, they say, an unprophetic evaluation. We didn't like their sound. What if people don't like something you're doing? Who are they to judge? That's what we were talking about earlier. God should be giving us ideas that no one has ever heard of before. So they don't like your sound. You should be getting a new sound from God. And it says that Decca Records rejected the Beatles, and then right after them, Columbia Records rejected them. Then, in 1954, the Grand Ole Opry fired Elvis Presley after one performance and told him, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. Twenty-seven publishers rejected Dr. Seuss. Now his books have sold over 600 million copies. Have you been rejected 27 times? Maybe somebody in here has been out on some dates and they've been rejected a few times. Don't give up. It's not time to give up. Oprah Winfrey was publicly fired from her first television job as an anchor in Baltimore for getting too emotionally involved in her stories. Steven Spielberg was rejected by the School of Cinematic Arts multiple times. He went on to create many movies and won many awards. His 27 movies have grossed him more than $9 billion. Harrison Ford... His first small movie role, an executive took him in the back and told him he'd never succeed in the movie business to find something else. He's still in the movies. Colonel Harlan David Sanders. Anybody ever heard of him? Went from one end of the United States to the other looking for anyone to invest in his idea. He just continued to sell chicken on the side of the road till he found someone. J.K. Rollins was a single mom living on welfare when she began writing the first Harry Potter novel. Now she is the first billionaire author. Now I know you'll know this person, and I'm done, guys. Michael Jordan. Anybody ever heard of him? Most people would not believe that as good a basketball player he was, he was actually cut from his high school basketball team for not being good enough. Now, the reason that I'm reading you these is the very reason that I told you earlier. Humans as a rule, are too caring about the next person's opinion instead of God's opinion. They seek too many people's opinions instead of God's opinion. Once you hear from God and you know that you've heard from God, you've got to step out on the water and do what God told you to do. You don't need to be obstinate. You don't need to be... You should have people that are over you that can help you know if it's God or not. But just to be going to every person that you meet and asking what you think, they didn't hear from God. They may think you are an idiot. But it's because they didn't hear from God. But that path is the only path that's going to bring joy and victory to your family. Every inventor that's ever really invented anything, people thought they were crazy. What about Noah when he built the ark? You think anybody thought he was crazy? I think a lot of people did. We need to spend more time with this book and with our father. And we need to find out what our family and what our home is supposed to be doing. And quit trying to figure out, are we supposed to be a carbon copy of what somebody else is doing? We're not. We can only do what he told us to do and what this book told us to do. We start here and we get our vitamins built up on marriage again. And I think we'll begin to see some successes in our homes. Can you say amen? Yes, amen. 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 It's for you.
2: Hallelujah. Stand up if you would. How many believe that's a good word? Amen. Very good. Very good. Uh, There are different kinds of uh, miracles that God does. Some of His greatest miracles happen down inside people. You don't even see them at the moment. But something changed, and it puts them on a different course. Hallelujah. The Lord said something to me just a few days ago. This simple phrase. He said, I saw a situation of some people that had been hooked up with us for years And then they were in a crisis. And I saw how God gave them the answer. And the Lord said, if you'll stay hooked with what I join you to, you'll get what you need. And that's talking about the path that he has for our life. It shines brighter and brighter. Which is why the enemy tries so hard to get you unhooked. From your spouse, unhooked from your family, unhooked from your church, unhooked from your spiritual supply. Because if you stay hooked, you're gonna get what you need. God's gonna see to it. Hallelujah. But you gotta stay hooked. Even a message. You might have you might hear a message, and for the first 50 minutes of it, you're thinking, yeah, I know that, yeah, I know that, yeah, I know that, and then a phrase. But if you had checked out twenty minutes ago, come on, you see what I'm talking about. People become a part of a church that God joined them to, or part of a ministry, and and then if they don't see everything happen immediately, sometimes their flesh, your flesh, your flesh, it's impatient impulsive wants to jump out try something else try something else but if you'd have just stayed stayed hooked stay hooked to what God joined you to and you will get everything you need he'll see to it how many can call God faithful 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 hallelujah